when I first landed here, I was in the throes of just kind of a really deep depression. I couldn't like leave the house. I couldn't walk the dog. I would like pace at the door. I wouldn't take a shower for a week. I wouldn't get off the couch. Like Christine is depressed. You know, and eventually I went and I got help for, you know, my depression and my anxiety. I, I went through a psychiatric program. So it was a lot of processing all the time, right? And it was a lot of like emotionality and it was just a lot of this stuff and baggage, but I couldn't write. I would have this piece of paper in front of me and I just like, I couldn't. I even had, you know, trouble, like every morning we would like go around the table and like name our feelings, right? And like, I couldn't, I, I'd just be like, I, I'm okay, but not. I think because I couldn't, tell those stories while I was living them. When the floodgates opened, I was like, I have to tell this story. Like, this is so important. Like, people need to know about this because it's happening to everybody. When I'm not feeling it, when I'm having a hard time, when I'm stuck, that's when it just like affects the rest of me. It's gone, it's gone. It was, I, I only had it for three months. God took it away. <laughs> it's gone, I'm never gonna write again. I worked straight through September. I think I had a day off. During that month, my house just turned into this sty. There were just like dust bunnies chasing my dog. Um, I think I lost my dog at one point, like in the dirt. It, it just got so, frustratingly messy that I couldn't focus and I couldn't think and I couldn't, you know, it's funny, my space has to be clean, but I am not a clean individual. Like I'm just like such a slob. If I know that I have to go pick up my laundry, it'll rattle around in my head until I get it done and I won't be able to think about anything else. Um, somebody once told me that it's just as easy as just like writing it down on a piece of paper and then it like leaves your mind, but no, it doesn't, that doesn't work. <laughs> I, I can write it on like 14 pieces of paper. When I am just like juiced and like writing and it's just like coming out of me, I feel like this is me and I have something that I am actually putting into this world that I am proud of and I love and I will, not eat for days and I'll do this. That realm where it just like happens and you need to get it out, it, it kind of like pops in and out of reality for me really at random times. And if I don't grab onto it in that moment, I'll forget. You know, people are, you know, people are always like, hey, like keep a notebook, you know, write down all your ideas as soon as you have them. For me, like, yeah, I'll come back to it a couple hours later, I'll look at the three sentences I wrote down and what, <laughs> what did I write here? I will understand that I felt that way, you know, I will understand that that idea came to me at that moment, but now looking at it, I can't access it the same way that I did it in the, like, the immediate moment where it came. Harnessing that realm is difficult, I think. writing and writing and writing and just, just all that output, it's, it's exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting, it's physically exhausting. Like my head hurts, but in like the best way. 
have I had dinner? <laughs> what do I do now? What are my friends doing? Did I forget to do something? Usually food helps. Like a cheeseburger. I love cheeseburgers. God, with the shredded lettuce and like the yellow wrapping paper, the just that like charbroiled, like melted American cheese, shredded lettuce pickles in yellow paper. And you put the ketchup just like on the paper. I think like my comfort foods and my sad foods and my writing foods are all the same thing. After I got out of a brief stint in a psychiatric hold a couple years ago, uh, my boyfriend picked me up. I'm like in like my Hello Kitty pajamas. The first thing we do is we go to In-N-Out on Hagenburger. We wait in line and we get a cheeseburger and fries and a milkshake. And I just, my memory of that, it was just like the best meal I ever had. I wrote this essay about my mom and then I had to like take a nap for three days. I'm just gonna put that away and I'm gonna sleep, don't talk to me. I, I ended up calling the essay My Mother's English and it's where she's coming from, what her words, you know, what her words mean in a very literal sense too. Like I was like in the fifth grade, we got the computer and we were gonna go buy a printer and my mom wanted me to buy the printer that was advertised on the Circuit City Flyer, but she kept calling it the appetizer. She's like, why aren't you buying the printer on the appetizer? Mm -hmm. And the whole time I'm just thinking of like this like newspaper salad. Or she'll say things like the world around town instead of saying like the word around town. It's really beautiful in a way, right? What her words translate into. getting into the experiences of people who share blood, who have come before you. These people are a part of us in like a very like biological way. And you know, the experiences that they went through are also in us. And in understanding the scary shit they went through and in kind of like facing the scary shit that they did to you, you're kind of facing that capability for darkness or that capability for sadness that lives in your own bones. I guess it's like facing the monsters that are close to you is very much like facing yourself. I listen to other people's work and I feel like their work is so much more kind of intimate. I feel like I'm not touching in on something the way that I would really like to. I think my literary and like poetic education has been in this like contemporary, like white MFA dude literature. It's like very American and, you know, confident. And even in their vulnerability, it's like a little dry and like witty and safe. It's so easy to kind of fake a certain sincerity. And it's so easy as a dude to fake emotionality because if you're a dude who can write, you can pretend to have feelings. Not that dudes don't have feelings. A 
A friend poet uh, read a new piece about, you know, his experience with antidepressants. Mental health already carries its own stigma, but I think for men, and he's a uh, Filipino-American, and for Asian men, just the idea of even talking about mental health or like the idea of like taking a pill because you're unhappy is, it's a big deal. It's a big bad deal. And he writes about it so honestly and so vulnerably. And I was just so blown away by that. I still have a lot of exploring to do in terms of my writing because it's really hard to write about something well when you're so close to it still. It's weird when you're writing about your life or somebody else's life or real life, you know, you're, it's like, as, as the writer, you're also kind of injecting some of that theme into, you know, sometimes you're extracting and sometimes you're injecting, right? When you're writing about your past, memory comes in just like bits and then waves and then droughts and I kind of have to like catch it when it comes to. So it's been a balance of, okay, what is the direction this story needs to take? And, oh my God, let me just gather all the fruit that I can as it falls. I still, when people are like, oh, are you a writer too? I'm like, I, uh, uh, uh yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess, yeah. <laughs> and also I think it's something about kind of the creative part of yourself being precious too, you know, and something about like saying that too much. It's like a secret that you almost don't want to give away. When I was working in film, I kind of had some idea of like, well, I've made movies and I've been paid for it. So I guess I'm a producer, right? My, my passion and my art was also my day job. Writing is different in that it is my passion, it is my art, but it's so private. I love building community. I love giving people a platform to share their work. I love meeting cool new artists and curating, but I need to hole up in a room by myself with like no music on and just, just get into it. And I need to carve out time for myself to generate. They're two very different roles within one community. And it's a balance, but I think it's working. Yeah, I've been doing some readings and people are like, you write about like, like sex and being angry and kind of mental health crazy. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> I'm the crazy girl that writes about sex, thank you. It's interesting when you set out to do something and the art takes you somewhere else. Um, I had a poetry professor in college. She said that, you know, all work of art is autonomous. It has its own agenda. It has its own life. It knows where it wants to go. The story knows how to tell itself. And it's your job as the writer to channel that and to go with that. And if you don't go with that, you're just going to write crap. 
These are my feelings. <laughs> I raked hot Cheeto dust across the desert of this page. And this is what I have for you. Christine No is a writer and filmmaker living in Oakland. She makes her own chapbooks and considers her pit bull Branda to be her soulmate. This has been an episode of Kaleidoscope. We have a new name, but the same mission, to capture the creative pulse of a different Bay Area artist of color each episode. We've been on hiatus for a while, interviewing, discussing, asking ourselves hard questions, and cooking up a podcast we can both be proud of. We know there's a lot of ugliness out there, and although we're unsure of what's to come, we know we're determined to tell fiercely imaginative stories, because art is our greatest form of resistance. Kaleidoscope is produced by myself, Claire Calderon, and Imogen Teasley-Vlotten. All the music you heard in this episode was composed by Imogen. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, kaleidoscopeartists.wordpress.com. Kaleidoscope.